Welcome to Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalists John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hi everyone, I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode 23 of our nature-centered podcast. And today, it's all about nesting neighbors. There are probably more nesting birds around your yard than you could ever imagine. Do you know who they are, where they live, and what they are doing? Yes, and today we're going to take a different look because we want to help open your eyes to a whole new perspective of what it's like to be a baby bird or the parents raising a family. Learn what to do and what not to do to help bring the next generation of birds to life in your backyard. Plus, we have a fun kids activity. Okay, Brian. Really, it sounds like a lot of fun. I hope everybody sticks around to learn a little bit about your nesting neighbors. All right, Brian. It's springtime. Oh, so much fun. It's March (laughs) yesterday. Here in the middle of Indiana, we almost, well, we did. We actually hit 60 degrees yesterday. How cool. Yeah, how much fun was that? Man. And the first signs of of really the nesting season, I think we've referred to it a couple of times over the last couple of episodes, but it really is. You're just starting to see all the different aspects of, of early nesting season uh, starting to show up. You know, you've got our gray horned owls are on the nest. I don't know about you, but the, the cacophony of birdsong in the morning now is becoming unbel- unmistakable. And it, it literally, I'm not joking, I literally was awakened this morning by Carolina Wrens calling right outside my window. That tea oh, kettle, tea kettle, tea kettle, tea. That really, that's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then the things like bluebirds. Man, I had so many bluebirds uh, come into my feeders at one time. And then this this warm weather just kind of it was like they were holding on until it got really warm, and man, they've dispersed out to their breeding areas. So I'm just down to a handful, and 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 all winter long they've played so nice together. You'd see like six of them on one of my feeders oh, at yeah. one time. Now <laughs> they keep pushing each other <laughs> off and and die bombing them. So you can tell the males are starting to get a lot more territorial. Oh, I'm loving hearing all these different birds. And I had a friend uh, this last week and say, I just started hearing all these birds this week really starting to sing. And I said, exactly. Spring is in the air for the birds around us. And it's been really fun. Like you with the bluebirds, I'm down to three. I've got two males and one female. So I'm not quite sure <laughs> what this means. But uh, <laughs> it means some fighting secret... is going to go on in your backyard. That's for sure. <laughs> it, it could be. You know, we just did that secret love life of birds. <laughs> (laughs) And maybe going back to that episode and studying that one about what's going to happen here. But it's it's been really cool watching that dispersal of those guys and then hearing all the different birds. I'm just I love opening that window or just stepping outside in the morning and trying to listen for, okay, there's that bird. There's that species. Oh, there's dad over there. Exactly. The the one time you don't have to open that window, kind of like if you have that wren really close to your window. Um, Sometimes we get that with our brush pile nearby, but we had, (laughs) we were awoken this weekend and my wife later asked, which woodpecker was that? (laughs) Because right outside the window, we had a red-bellied woodpecker that decided that the gutter sounded like a really good place to do its drumming to announce to everyone that (laughs) this is my territory. 
So ladies, pay attention. Dudes, stay away. Um, yeah, right outside, right yeah, outside yeah. the window. Well, there's no question that you and I are excited about the nesting season <laughs> coming up. And I think part of it is because oh, yeah. last year was so incredible, in part due with the fact that, as with many, many people, we were at home 24-7. Mm-hmm. You know, to have that experience where I'm home every single day and to watch what was going on. My gosh, the number, I alluded to it in the opening. Do you really know how many <laughs> birds are nesting around your yard? Right. And boy, last year was an education. But once the leaves fell off the trees, that's when I really could start to notice this winter being home and finding nests out there. Yeah, you know, goldfinches. I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a whole lot easier to find nests. I mean, we have one of the really cool ones, a chipping sparrow. Nice little colorful sparrow that they like to nest in trees about mid-height. And it's really hard to find their nests, but they're one of those birds that's in so many yards all over the place, but they're so small that they, they just blend in everywhere and kind of disappear, but you can find their nests up in the, the trees. Yeah, once the yeah. once you get towards winter and you know, fall when all the leaves are coming off, uh, goldfinches are the same. It's easier to find their nests that way too, and gnat catchers. So yeah. all those little small nests are about a golf ball size or two golf ball sizes, tennis ball size, kind of depends on it. But it's yeah. fun to go looking for those nests. Well, and that's what I think that's our first tip of the day for, for our listeners today. And that is to get out in your yard and really watch what's going on. I think the the fun thing for me, one of the biggest uh, eye openers was being able to track down so many different woodpecker nesting cavities. Oh, yeah. You know, I literally was watching downy woodpeckers, red belly woodpeckers, pileated woodpeckers, flickers, all at the same time in my around my yard, which I've never been able to. I've had one or two of those over the years, but not all four of them at one time. And I was actively able to watch and in some case photograph the, the activity going on at those nests. So it just takes a little time. Uh, get out in the backyard. Take a look at what's going on around you, and I'll bet you'll be amazed at how many birds you'll find nesting in your area. So, first of all, before we get into some more details about what you can do to, one, see what's going on with the nesting birds in your backyard, but also to help those nesting birds in your backyard and attract those birds to your backyard, uh, maybe we should probably, Brian, what do you think, just kind of lay a little a little overall overview of what nesting with birds is all about, all the different steps and, and processes that they have to go through to have a successful nesting? I think that's a great idea because all the birds in general follow a basic pattern. Yeah, let's start off with that. Yeah, so basically, as you alluded, it's a cycle, if you will, of, of just going from courtship, attraction, setting up territory, creating a nest, whether that's in a cavity or a tree or a bush or whatever it might be, however long it takes to build that nest. It's laying the eggs, and however long it takes to lay those eggs. It's incubating those eggs, and however long it takes to incubate them. And then it's how long to raise those young in the nest and get them fledged and leaving the nest. And so for for many songbirds, if you will, you know, this can this can be an extensive process of six eight weeks uh, going Mm -hmm. through all the process from establishing territory, building their nest, laying the eggs, raising the young, you know, and then getting them out. And then there's a whole nother piece of after the fact, which we've talked about in a number of our our podcasts, 
is how cool is it to watch these young fledglings, these these young birds just out of the nest, coming to your feeders with their parents, oh, woodpeckers yeah. and, and all kinds of other birds, the wrens, the chickadees, the titmice. You can see them. You can actually identify them when you know what to look for. So that's kind of the real Reader's Digest version of that nesting cycle, if you will. Yeah, one of the fascinating parts about that, too, is for most of our songbirds that come to our backyards, each one of those stages, as a rule of thumb, is about two weeks a stage. You know, from building the nest, some take longer, uh, some take a little less, uh, but incubating, sitting on the eggs, is about two weeks. Once they hatch, that nestling stage is about two weeks. The fledgling stage, some of our songbird parents, John, like you were alluding to, the parents will still help take care of the babies once they've left the, net, left the nest for about two weeks. So just kind of keeping that in mind as you move forward, as you pay attention to the birds in your yard this season, thinking about, okay, I see them right now. What what stage are they in? Yeah. Okay. About how long might that take for each stage? And it's really fun to then watch and watch that progression as they go. Yeah. And, and again, those are real rule of thumb type numbers i mean there is tremendous variation <laughs> in all the different stages if i'm a killdeer it doesn't take me any time to lay my ne- to build my nest because i just use and make a little hollow depression in the ground and i'm ready to go mm-hmm. if i'm a bush tit out west it's going to take me maybe 50 days to make mine so again rule of thumb mm-hmm. on these two weeks is, is it's a good rule of thumb but there are certainly a lot of exceptions and variations in all those different stages and how long they take Yep. And right now, wherever anyone is listening, you know, we've alluded to the birds are singing, establishing the territories and attracting mates, or some have already started that process of they're sitting on eggs right now. So springtime, you know, when you go from the southern U.S. and getting up into Canada, uh, you can be about a, a month or two difference for the same actions at this very moment. Yeah. So it's a great time to go out in your yard and start watching. Yeah. And one of the things that's kind of fun to do is watch the birds themselves. <laughs> Sometimes mm-hmm. you can, that's how I found many of the woodpecker nesting cavities last year. I just simply watched the birds. They'd come to my feeders. I try to track them when they left my feeders and see where they were going. Especially after a while, you can kind of pick up the fact, golly, they're going in the same direction every time. <laughs> yeah. Figure that one out and you can kind of go, wow, wonder why it's going over to that big tree over there. Oh, there it is. Oh, There's the yeah. nesting cat. You know, it's things like that that, that kind of are fun to, to watch. And, and the other cool thing is watch the, uh, watch the uh, parental, the male and the female. And as the nesting season goes on, what roles? They all have different roles and different responsibilities. Oh, yeah. So it's really cool. Well, that's really neat too. Cause early on, a lot of the times, Dad, the male, is carrying lots of food to mom while she's sitting on the eggs. And then once, you know, and actually a step back for a second, mom sitting on those eggs doesn't sit on those eggs 24-7 for most of our songbirds. Even our birds of prey, like the great horned owls or the barred owls, as they're sitting on eggs, mom's going to take a break. And it's interesting, you think about robins. Robins take a break just about every hour for a few minutes, just so she can get up, stretch, maybe go grab a bite, go sit back down. But that's more for her own benefit. And I kind of think about uh, my wife when our kids were little. She <laughs> she needed those breaks. <laughs> you were going to get yourself in trouble one of these days, dude. <laughs> I was like, they're yours right now. I got it. 
I got it. I, you, <laughs> you just let me know if I need to talk to your wife. And <laughs> you, you've got a couch, right? <laughs> yeah, it is a lot of fun to again those parental duties and watching them, and, and I keep you know a neat little a neat little secret, if you will, to clue in on is the fact that a lot of birds that look the same. You know, in other words, there's not a big difference between the male and the female. They're the ones that probably do most of the sharing uh, of the duties. They'll share feeding. They'll share, in some cases, incubation time. That type, like downy woodpeckers, mm-hmm. the male mm-hmm. will incubate overnight. Uh, and, and so they share those duties. Uh, and again, uh, downy woodpeckers look virtually the same between male and female, except for that little red head marking and, and a few other minor little things. Uh, and it's the ones that don't look the same, uh, things like waterfowl or I, I think like a red-winged blackbird, how, you know, male red-winged blackbird, jet black with those big red epaulets, and the mm-hmm. female looks like an overgrown sparrow. You know, the male red wing has virtually nothing to do with the nesting duties of raising those young or helping to supply food or anything else. Uh, so that's kind of a neat little thing to think about when you're watching these birds mm-hmm. and, and uh, seeing what kind of behavior they're showing. The house finch, the cassin finch, the purple finch, the males have that nice, beautiful coloration. And the females are just a nice drab, uh, toned down tan colors because they sit on a nest and they hide. And a lot of those female birds that are just more muted colors are that way so they can be more camouflaged on the nest and hide because sitting on a nest and sitting there doing nothing and trying to be still is a dangerous place to be. Yeah, it's virtually the most dangerous thing they can do. Absolutely. Going back to the whole process, laying the eggs. That's that's we we could do a whole show probably on eggs and the variety oh, and different eggs and the number of eggs and <laughs> and you know what results from those eggs in the sense of some some eggs are laid with youngsters that uh, we call it altricial. I'm not worried about the word, but it basically means that the when the egg hatches, the youngster that comes out of that egg is is basically naked and helpless. And, and, it, and usually for, blind, too. Yeah, their, their eyes usually, aren't open yet. The eyes aren't open yet. Exactly right. And so they have a much longer uh, nestling phase before they actually fledge and come out of the nest. And then there's other birds that are called precocial, which only means that when they hatch, they are fully feathered. Their eyes are open. <laughs> they are literally ready to go, sometimes almost immediately, never less probably than 24 hours. They're out of the nest. They're able to feed themselves. They're able to find little bits of a lot of your game birds like quail and pheasants and things like that or this type of bird that nest on the ground. They come out of the nest. They're ready to go. They're able to find little bits of grain and feed themselves. Mom and our dad, and, and depending on the case, really has very little role in feeding those. It's a whole different gambit depending on the type of bird you are and, and where you where you nest. So those precocial young, and I always try to remember precocial means, for me, I'm like, they're precocious. They come out and they're like, I'm ready to rock and roll. Let's do this thing. <laughs> So let's uh, let's uh, take a look at you know those helpless altricial birds. You know they have to grow an entire set of feathers before they leave the nest, so that they can one insulate themselves and, and stay warm or whatever the weather conditions are, and two be able to fly <laughs> uh, within a relatively short amount of time. 
And so you really think about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, my gosh, like a chickadee's roughly 11 days in the nest before it fledges. It has to grow an entire set of feathers in 11 days. That's <laughs> mind-blowing if you really think about it. <laughs> an entire body full of feathers, just like me growing an entire head of hair in 11 days. It's just, it's not even, yeah, it's mind-blowing. Think of the nutritional needs. That's I mean, what I was thinking, too. Yeah. How much food they would need to yeah. eat to be able to grow those feathers that fast. Which is a little side note, because actually we kind of know how much food it takes. There's been studies done, and it's like a, a pair of chickadees have to acquire six to nine thousand caterpillars to feed to their young to get them out of the nest within 11 days six to nine thousand <laughs> so, where, where are you getting that many caterpillars? i don't know but can you imagine the grad students sitting there going one two three one, two, four, three, four, four <laughs> yeah so you consider that where are all those thousands of caterpillars coming from well again Native plants are a huge, huge benefit to these chickadees in, in supplying all those caterpillars. Uh, I've seen numbers in regards to just oaks, just the native oaks supplying hundreds upon hundreds of different species of butterfly and moth caterpillars alone. And then you've got the opposite, which is all of the non-native things that we've planted in our yards simply do not produce those types of caterpillars, like a ginkgo. If you have a ginkgo tree in your yard, there are only five known butterfly or moth caterpillars that use that tree to to feed on for food. But the bottom line is, it's all that protein. Those feathers are 90, 95% protein. They need a ton of protein. <laughs> so, you know, I'm a baby bird. I'm just a few weeks old, and I'm growing new feathers already. It sounds like trying to feed teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the food resources. And, and again, that's the whole timing the one thing we I don't think we've talked about yet is the whole timing of when these birds nest. You've got some birds that nest early in the spring. You've got other birds that wait until late in the summer, mm-hmm. like our goldfinches. It's all about food resources. It is absolutely all about food resources and making sure those youngsters are going to have all the food they need to, one, get out of that nest successfully, and two, be able to survive those first few months with lots and lots of food to be able to help them, you know, be uh, really strong and, and provide those new feathers if they need them and that type of yeah. thing. So, And we have a couple of different goldfinches throughout North America. Um, two predominant ones are the American goldfinch and the lesser goldfinch. The American goldfinch is much across North America, but the lesser goldfinch is more uh, a Western and a West Coast bird. They're both goldfinches. But they, just like all these other birds, have to wait until the enough food sources are ready. And yeah, the American goldfinch in the east, they're predominantly a vegetarian bird. And, and one of the odd things, a lot of vegetarian birds that eat just lots of seeds, usually feed their babies high-protein foods like caterpillars, like the chickadees do. But not the goldfinches. They feed their babies lots of seeds, and so they have to feed a whole lot more seeds to get the proteins for those babies to grow. So our American goldfinches wait a lot of times until late July, early August, when enough composite flower seeds are are ready to go. But you get out southwest or the west coast, you have a different weather system. And the lesser goldfinches... They're like, hey, springtime, maybe early summer at the latest, I'm nesting. And some of the American goldfinches, it's the same thing. That Western population American goldfinch, they're waiting for the right foods. 
well, you get some of those West Coast states, those foods are ready earlier in the spring to, you know, maybe mid spring to late or early summer. Easy for you to say. Easy for me to say. It's well, all about the strategies. For I know, them. I know, Brian. You and I are both geeks on this whole thing, and all the birds in our backyards. But, <laughs> but you know, I hope everybody's listening is really understanding that this is a fascinating. You talk about entertaining and fascinating mm-hmm. to really spend time in your backyard and watching and learning what's going on and see who's nesting and where they're nesting, how they're raising their young. When you see the first young come to your feeders and come to you make an appearance in your backyard. It's all just a really cool, cool thing to experience, and it really puts you in touch with nature. So, well, what we're going to do next is tell you what you can do to help encourage birds to nest in your backyard. All right. Well, Brian, let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about really what can make a difference, and and when it comes right down to it. Um, we could we could do an hour podcast on all the different things you can do in your backyard. So right up front, I want to say that go to our show notes. We have a lot of resources that are really the expert information and give you the detail on the areas you want to learn about, whether it's nest boxes, whether it's the type of habitat that you plant around your yard, uh, those types of things. Uh, those resources are available to you on our show notes. Yeah, John, you were talking about the habitat and talking about caterpillars. Where in the world, like with the chickadees, are you going to find <laughs> six to 9,000 caterpillars? Unbelievable. Uh, but caterpillars are on native plants. It's part of the life cycle of our insects, especially a lot of the moths. It's a part of that and some butterflies. And so if you have trees and bushes in your yard that are native you already are starting to set up a great scenario for a lot of these birds to call your yard, probably their their grocery store to come to for their babies. Um, a lot of a lot of amazing trees, different oaks and maples mm-hmm. and spruce and fir and pine. Um, you get alders and even different dogwoods getting into some of the smaller ornamental but native trees. Just making sure that they're native plants and the caterpillars will naturally follow. And ergo, the birds will naturally follow. Yeah, habitat is everything. And it's not just food, although that's huge. Uh, that is a major, major thing to make sure birds would look at your yard as a place that has the potential to raise their young because the food resources are there. But also the space and the nesting habitat. And, you know, if I'm a woodpecker, you know, I was just talking about all the woodpeckers that I have. Well, a big part of that is because I live in an area that has ash trees. And ash trees have been decimated with the emerald ash borer. So I have a lot of standing dead trees around my neighborhood. And those make ideal locations for our woodpeckers to create nesting cavities in. So that's why I've had so many, you know, uh, woodpeckers that I've been able to find because I just have a... I have a condo for woodpeckers in my neighborhood <laughs> with with all these different trees that are available. So, you know, the bottom line is you don't want a lot of standing dead trees that are dangerous. But, boy, if you can leave some standing dead timber uh, that's in the safe area or some people actually take, you know, maybe the crown out of the tree and leave the bottom 20 foot standing just uh, if it's a safe location to do that. So it provides more habitat because it's not just those woodpeckers, as you were alluding to earlier, Brian. It's also those secondary nesting, uh, cavity nesting birds like our bluebirds and, and chickadees and some of the other birds that take those woodpecker cavities and utilize them next year for mm-hmm. their house. And then 
if you live in a yard that just doesn't have a lot of that native habitat yet um, to provide natural nesting areas or to provide natural foods, there are things you can do. Obviously, we are Wild Birds Unlimited franchise stores across U.S. <laughs> and Canada. We have resources for you in the local store are the certified bird feeding specialists. They have all sorts of the appropriate nest boxes for you or nest shelving in some locations, but then all the right kinds of foods that are really gonna help these birds have that leg up as a supplement to raising a family in, in your yard. Yeah, I would, uh, <laughs> I would equate it to, you know, uh, a lot of these birds, when they're getting ready to nest, you you know, you, your goal would be they want to be in the tip-top shape they can be to mm -hmm. get through the rigors of nesting and make sure they have all the nutrition they need. And so that we have a lot of different food products out on the market in regards to high-protein, high-fat, calcium-enriched foods, which are very – they're really important. I, I, I equate it to, you know – uh, mom's taking prenatal vitamins, you know, before mm -hmm. they're before yes. they're expecting, they take the prenatal vitamins to get in the top shape and make sure all those nutrients and folic acid and all those things are there for their youngsters when they when they uh, are expecting. It's kind of the same with our birds. At least it's something you can think about doing and helping them out by having these different foods, uh, some of our suets and some of our nesting blends and, and various other uh, uh, food products, uh, bark butter bits, things like that. They are calcium enriched, and so it makes sure that the uh, the uh, female, the the mother, is really fully because calcium is huge. When they lay these eggs, man, that's another thing. That's another one of those little secrets, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the amount of calcium it takes to lay an egg is unbelievable. And if they don't find it, they'll start scavenging their own skeletal, their bones. They'll literally scavenge it from their bones until. Uh, if they don't have an ample supply of it to replenish every time they lay an egg. So, yeah. yeah that sure sure makes you think about mama bird <laughs> yeah. taxing herself of nutrients yeah. to help make sure she's raising a family. So, yeah, providing those supplemental foods, supplemental sources, calcium's huge resource. Yeah. So, bottom line, refer to our show notes, and I would also recommend uh, we are uh, champions for the National Wildlife Federation's uh, Backyard Habitat Program. And uh, they have a lot of resources also. So, again, you can find on our uh, show notes or just go to WBU.com and learn all about our certification program, which will take you to a wealth of information about nesting and what you can do to help. Yep, And even a wealth of information about native plants that you can start planting or, or build more native plants into your yard. We have native plant finders with those links as well. John, what do you think? Kids activity now, eh? <laughs> well, this is a beautiful tie-in. This is a great one for kids. And so, yeah, take it away. Oh, definitely. We've talked about a lot of really cool things about to, to look for and listen for in springtime. And so the kids activity is a, a nice activity of basically it's a scavenger hunt with a little homework afterwards. And it's really easy, it's fun, go outside and try to find some of those places where birds have raised a family. Can you find any nests? You know, look on the ground, look in bushes, look in trees, low to mid, up in the trees or those bushes. Can you look really high? Some birds really like to nest very high up in a tree. Can you find any of those nests? And if you do, what are those nests made of? Because the homework part is, can you, 
try to find some resources to help birds build their own home. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you need a good realtor or what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a nice simple list that you could go with. <laughs> you know, grab some sticks, grab um, some dried grasses, and you can also get a, one of my favorites, a little bit of mud, and make a little pan of mud and put these things out for the birds and watch to see do they come in and use any of these and pick at these things to go make a nest. Uh, but there are some things that I definitely want to say, stay away from these items. Uh, the question we get a lot and a lot of our stores, uh, folks coming in, can I use dryer lint? to put out for the birds to nest with. And yeah, this, a, and, and this has kind of changed over the years. This is stuff yeah. that, you know, wasn't that long ago that people thought was okay, but right. it's changed. A lot's changed, and we've learned dryer lint is a bad thing for the birds because it doesn't have the insulating qualities in it. It's a lot of the, the processed... Um, a lot of the processed fibers or you might have other yeah. perfumes and things in it it is best to use natural materials or as, as natural as we can get yeah just take some dryer lint and wet it down and see what happens <laughs> it just <laughs> it just compacts down to something that would not have any insulation value whatsoever have some fun go out on that scavenger hunt see what kind of items you can put out to see what the birds might use to build their own homes and if you want to see a full list of the do's and don'ts for nesting material Check out our show notes because we have some great information there. Well, there's so much to talk about, but I hope everybody gets out and checks out their backyard and thinks about nesting season. We're right on the cusp of it. So, Brian, I think it's time for us to wrap up and watch the birds in our backyard. Definitely. I'm looking forward to getting out in that yard. But, folks, hope you get out there. In the meantime, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We're always looking forward to seeing your feedback. So as always, we thank you for joining us uh, for this nature-centered podcast about our nesting neighbors and invite you to join us next time where we're going to truly let nature be our guide. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nature Centered. To subscribe to this podcast, for show notes, or to connect with the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com slash podcast. Until we meet again, take some time to relax, enjoy the birds, get out in your backyard, and stay nature-centered. <laughs>